0: Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode 123 of Final Fantasy Union. I'm your host, Daryl, and I'm here with Lauren. Hi, guys! Episode 123, Lauren. <gasps>
1: Yay! Yay! It's actually quite good because, I mean, we're talking about Type Zero today, so technically it's Zero one,
0: two, three. Ooh. 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 Yeah, there was that rumor about the uh, trademarks for the other types of games, which we may or may not get onto.
1: Yes. That's beside the point. We're talking about Type 0. Yeah,
0: so it's going to be an interesting episode this time around. I don't think we've done one of these for a while, but Num. we're going to do basically a post-mortem episode. It used to be something that we did on the on the podcast where a year after the release of a big game, we would do a massive uh, kind of post-mortem look at the game, how it panned out, and kind of go a bit more in-depth about different aspects of the game, like the story, the music, uh, the staff behind it, and, and how we felt and how things were going throughout the development. You know, basically, we're just going to blitz the crap out of it. Yes. And uh, hopefully you find it informative. This does, of course, come with some strings. Yes. One of those strings is that there's going to be spoilers in there.
1: Spoiler alert!
0: So if you haven't played Type 0 yet... Why? Well, yeah. (laughs) um, If you haven't played it yet, it might be a, a good option for you to maybe just hit the pause button... And go and play Type-Zero, yes. and then we'll be here when you get back.
1: Yeah, we'll always be here, in yeah. your heart.
0: So yeah, um, I don't. the worst thing is to have the Type-Zero story spoiled for you. Yeah, big spoilers it's very in there. intense. Uh, so yeah, if, if you uh, haven't played it, then, then please do not spoil it for yourself. Unless you're like Lauren, who loves spoiling stuff for herself.
1: I do, I like to think of it as a Quentin Tarantino movie.
0: I, I don't understand how you can do that, but... Give me
1: something to look forward to.
0: Different people enjoy things in experiencing things in different ways. So yeah, yeah if you're someone who doesn't like spoilers, don't listen to our spoiler section because you'll get very upset with us. <laughs>
1: just a little bit. So just know we've we've warned you, we've properly warned you, so now we must we must move on.
0: And it's it's nice for us actually because we are a very spoiler free show. Yes. We are very mindful that people don't like stuff stuff spoiled. Um and people respect the fact that we take that approach unlike other shows and websites who just post anything. Yeah, We we're, we're, we're try to be respectful of the fact that maybe people don't want to know stuff. And, and also uh,
1: that there's like different, um, at least with stuff like release dates and stuff, there's different time zones. Exactly. There as well.
0: So that's why, I mean, even after this episode, we will go back to not spoiling Type Zero. Just because we've done this episode, it doesn't mean that we're suddenly free reign on things. Uh, yeah. There is a... You know, obviously, we let things lie for a little while before we go into spoilers like we're okay to spoil Final Fantasy VII. That's okay. Yeah. But, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. We'd, I don't think we'd probably still go on to thirteen two big spoilers. Probably not. No. It's, it's still an open wound.
1: Yeah, just a bit.
0: Um, but yeah, so it's nice for us to be able to, because we're so uh, spoiler free that we actually get the chance to dive into it give you guys our opinions and and hopefully um we can uh kind of give you some basis for what you feel or how you feel about type zero uh and whether you do agree or disagree with with our opinions and yeah at least gives you something to like think about and it's like we're having a conversation with you
1: yeah and you can either you you can yell at your phone like, with, no you're wrong yeah you might look a bit strange but we we won't judge you it's true hard
0: Yes. Some other people might do, though. Other people but, might do. Um, yeah, so today's episode is going to be slightly different from the normal episode, therefore we're going to have one segment, Type Zero, and uh, that's pretty much going to be it. Um, we're, as we go through though, we're going to be looking at loads of different things, such as, as I mentioned, the development process, uh, some, uh, some staff profiles around it, the story, the characters, the gameplay, the music, the presentation.
1: Basically everything. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Basically everything. It could end up being quite a long episode. Um, we're actually recording this a week earlier than we normally would, so that I've got time to edit any additional yeah. stuff that needs to be done. Um, so it's, yes, yeah, it's it's, it's going to be a real, real proper special episode. Hopefully we can uh, put in some interesting information for you and, and present you with some interesting discussions. <laughs> Great, that's a very long intro. Um, <laughs> so if you've made it this far and you've never listened to the show before, uh, it would be uh, nice to inform you that Final Fantasy Union is part of a podcast series called Final Fantasy and Kingdom Hearts Union. We also do have a Kingdom Hearts show and uh, we run on a four-week rotation with Kingdom Hearts Union with a new show coming out every Tuesday. This show will be coming on the iTunes store, FinalFantasyUnion.com and YouTube.com forward slash FFUnionVids. If you are an iTunes listener, then please feel free to uh, give us a nice little rating. Um, And if you want to put in a review, then there is a good chance that it will get read out on the show. So, yeah, it's a nice little incentive for you. (laughs) We, of course, do love our Patreon supporters. Yeah, They are the lifeblood of us. Thank um, you. If you want to support the show on Patreon, please do head over to Patreon.com forward slash FFKHUnion. Uh we're now gonna do shout outs for everyone who's pledged over two dollars fifty.
1: Alright, so uh first up we have Christian Thompson who is at Orbit's uh ZZ Gaming.
0: Yep, so that's O R B I T Z Z Gaming. Then we've got Christian Burge.
1: Nika Gonzalez at Nick underscore NAC95.
0: we got Josh McNabb who's at J2K9.
1: Skylar Loveless.
0: Barry Norton, who's at Nortron Zero.
1: Tiger Crane at Papu Milkshake.
0: William Trengove, who's at Varnus the Acteur. Peter Lamb. Zach Duranto at zduranto58. Michael Graham. Holly Crawley at dark z t akami, who uh, just gave us a nice little tweet.
1: Yes. Genesis Alejandro at Junisan7.
0: Johnny Oja at Dearcore for Life.
1: Mike Shirley Donnelly at Curious Quail.
0: Billy Jackson at UnderscoreBillyJackson. Billy Jackson. Keith Field at the Mighty Keith. Muhammad Keith.
1: Alex Troutman at Akira Namegin.
0: Manic Franks at like underscore Peyton.
1: And Zelda Clone at Apes Type Novels.
0: Yeah. Thanks, guys. Thank you for all your support. Thank you. Okay, so it's time to dive into Type Zero, Lauren.
1: Ooh, I get chills. Yeah, Makes my toes curl.
0: (laughs) So Type Zero um, HD... Actually, Type Zeros had quite a few birthdays, but Type (laughs) Zero HD uh, obviously came out last March, and... um, yeah, I mean, we wanted to do the episode a bit closer to that, but there's been a lot of stuff that's going on, and and now seemed like a good time. We actually had some plans as to why we kind of delayed it a bit, but those yeah. plans haven't come to fruition.
1: It's okay, though.
0: It is okay. We're still going to have a really action-packed episode for everyone, and uh, we hope you enjoy the discussions. Mm. So, Type-Zero is a game that was obviously directed by Hajime Tabata, the current director of Final Fantasy 15, and the scenario is actually conceived by him as well um which is which was quite interesting i felt and we we will get on to the, the scenario a bit more later but um in terms of tabata we just kind of wanted to go into a bit about his history he hasn't actually been at square enix his entire career like some of the other people he had previously worked at a number of video game publishers um his big breaks kind of came at tecmo coey or i guess it was one or the other back then, yeah. Uh, where he ended up being the event director on Monster Rancher Two and Deception Three. Deception is a very interesting franchise. Which, <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so he joined Square Enix um, after after that, and uh, I think things started off relatively slow for him. But he did become the director on Before Crisis, obviously the mobile phone game that we've never had the chance to play. <laughs> no, um, and it's quite interesting to know actually that after Before Crisis came out. That was when he was moved on to direct Type Zero. <laughs> um, so that was way back in two thousand five, two thousand six. Uh, obviously, at that stage, it was not called Type Zero. No. It was Fun Fantasy Fancy Agate Thirteen.
1: That's crazy. That was that long ago. I was still in school.
0: Yeah, it's 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 really weird to think that it was it was all that time ago. I know. And it's quite interesting as well because obviously he before before Crisis was his first directorial game. It was a mobile phone game, and back then. Mobile phone games were kind of t- taboo. Like, well, they over had a, here they were yeah, they, Japan.
1: They were like amazing.
0: They had a place in, yeah. in the Japanese market. Um, there were specific phones that they were designed for, and, and all that stuff. And but then for for the Square Enix to give him basically. Uh, a prominent i mean it was it was supposed to be another mobile phone game yeah but it was going to be part of the prominent Fabio nova crystallis franchise which was you know the new shining light for them it had final fantasy 13 and final fantasy versus 13 and his game was going to be the, the complete the trilogy and obviously there was the rumored fourth game yeah um but unluckily for him uh that didn't happen no
1: there was a lot of drama that went down so uh, agito basically just didn't happen and then um because of that they just kind of pushed him on to other projects
0: yeah i mean they weren't bad projects no I mean, he ended up becoming they were just di-
1: like here distract yourself with this for a little while while we sort while we sort our stuff out
0: yeah he ended up coming becoming the director of uh, crisis core mm. uh, which is one of uh, people's favorite games on the playstation portable
1: and a lot of people were brought into final fantasy from that game as well yeah.
0: And then after that, he was the co-director on Kingdom Hearts Coded. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then he became the director on the Third Birthday, which is obviously the reboot of the Parasite E franchise. So it was kind of strange that after Before Crisis, he ended up just being banded around directing <laughs> existing properties and other people's vision of those properties, I guess. Which is
1: why him taking over Final Fantasy fifteen is really nothing new for him. No. <laughs> He's quite used to taking over other people's projects.
0: I mean, really, if you think about it... Um, out of all the games that he's directed so far, Agato was supposed to be his his thing. You know, yeah. he came up with the scenario for it. It was going to be his big break. And then he ended up doing that as the fifth game yeah. of his career. Um, and by the time that it kind of came around, it had a new name. It was now Type-0 instead of Agato 13. And Agato, which a game he also directed after Type-0, was uh, then a completely different game that ended up using the original story for Agato 13, mm-hmm. it's all a very... Yeah, yeah. it's weird. all very,
1: very complicated. But either way... Strange mess. Everything just led up to this moment where he worked on Type-0 as director and um, came up with the scenario. And, uh, yeah, I think it worked out quite well for him.
0: Yeah, I mean, the, um, the writer actually is another interesting one Well, there are two writers um, one of which was uh, Sarah Abake and she's not really done anything else since but no. the other writer some people might recognize as Hiroki Chiba who hey, uh, Lauren do you want to just uh, give well, us a bit of a tidbit on who, what he's working on now
1: <laughs> it's crazy though because like he's been with the he seems like he's been with Square Enix well Square for a while um, he was actually one of the event directors on Final Fantasy 8 and also was on Dirge of Cerberus yeah. Final Fantasy 7 yeah, it's an interesting one. And then well, the story um,
0: was pre- I I liked the story yeah the of story Cerberus. was good,
1: but um his directing debut is actually going to be World of Final Fantasy, which is like I don't know it's just quite crazy really that it's been that long.
0: Yeah, and I think it's I think it's nice that um these these uh people that have been at the company quite a while are being given these kind of new opportunities because if you look at Tabata, he was stuck on mobile and portable games for the best part of a decade (laughs) and chiba obviously he's he's been working on numerous projects for well over a decade coming up to two decades yeah um and you know he's now being given his chance to direct the game that he wants to do
1: my time to shine but yeah no and i mean with world of final fantasy i'm i'm really excited for that game that that seems like it's going to be a lot of fun and um but just getting back to uh, Type 0, it's very interesting, like, the differences between sort of World of Final Fantasy, which is a very child-friendly game, and Type 0, which is not so much.
0: Showing his versatility, the yes. achiever.
1: Yes, just a bit. Um, but I also find it nice that there was a, um, that it was co-written by a woman as well. I think that's, that's something that not a lot of people probably know, unless if they go digging for... Um, that information yeah. on Type-0. But um, I was very happy to find that out. And uh, it, yeah, it's just nice.
0: So Lawrence put in a quote here from Tabata, uh, which is the initial description <laughs> of the game. Um, uh, he said it's a, a major title formed from a variety of different concepts, which include the collision of four fantasies, uh, which is the crystals. Um, and it's a battle between magic and weapons and two sides of reality it sounds like a bit of a mess when you took like describe yeah. like that it's but like okay what of, is going on here
1: when you know what the story is about it kind of makes sense because yeah you say like um there's the um the four fantasies the four crystals so you have like the white tiger the black tortoise the um vermilion uh, vermilion bird wait is there only three there's, there's four. four there's four what's the last one
0: um the dragon
1: oh the dragon yeah 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 that's right um uh begins with now um but yeah so there's that and then battle between magic and weapons um obviously the militas test is all about the weapons but then um rubrum yeah. rubrum is all about magic and that's that's what protects them and then is there magic. are all the two sides of reality and there the and two sides of reality we do
0: get to see the game from orients's point of view yes so well, the game's view of orients like what we see it's an interesting description, and yeah, if you didn't know anything about Type Zero storyline, you'd just but, be like, "What? Okay." You okay. just described something, and I have no idea what you've described. <laughs> yeah,
1: I know. It's just like, uh, tub, 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 just go back to your corner. <laughs> um, but no, it it does it does make sense, but it also sort of um, and we'll get onto it later. But it sort of shows a lot of um the complications with the story with Type Zero because yeah. it is it is a lot.
0: It's a lot. It's a lot but, of story. But like, obviously, we mentioned before that um, Tabata was supposed to have been directing this game and he was given the project in sort of the back end of 2005 and it was announced at E3 2006 as part of the Faber-Nova Cristals franchise. I mean, I, I think... I don't know if you remember back that far because <laughs> we're, we're going back a decade here. Yeah. But I, I remember at the time that I wasn't even remotely interested in this game because it was no. a mobile game. And, and at that time we didn't know it was going to take so long to come out but we also had never had a japanese based mobile game be localized over here so i think i mean i personally just kind of just pretended it didn't exist um mm. i think uh you know the forums are on and it was a similar mentality where people were excited for 13 and they were excited for versus 13 and agato it just kind of got by the wayside it's just the same as before crisis because like no one really paid it much attention because we knew we were never going to get it.
1: Yeah, I think at that time, I was kind of going through my Kingdom Hearts phase. So Nomura was God, and um, I was just absolutely 100% focused on Versus 13. I didn't even care about Final Fantasy 13 at the time. I was just like, oh my God, Versus 13 looks incredible. Um, that first trailer hooked me. So Agito 13, I was just kind of like, eh, I'm, I'm not really... Connected to that, I just wanted Versus thirteen like one hundred percent, just wanted it. And um, so yeah, I was very much the same. I di- I just didn't yeah. really pay any mind. I did like, I did like looking at the character art though, because obviously they released some of the art with the uh, characters in their school uniforms. Yeah, they had Ace with his and I cards that, that, that looked quite cool, and I liked their um, I liked their outfits. But yeah, and then once it once it sort of went under the radar a bit, I just kind of went on.
0: Yeah, I think I maybe started paying a bit more attention when they said it was going to be shifting from the mobile to the PSP. Yeah. Uh, and they were thinking about doing a a, a bigger project for it. Uh, and then obviously they started... Because we didn't hear anything really about it for quite some time after that a 2006 because there was nothing really to talk about. And the other games that were part of the franchise were, were taking more of the attention, especially mm. Final Fantasy XIII. And I think it kind of suffered because both of the other two games were also struggling yeah, with the deadlines and because i mean final fantasy 13 took another three and a half years to come out yeah after it was announced um, and versus obviously still hasn't come out so i think it was really detrimental for them and they've they've kind of learned to listen to a degree about announcing a lot of stuff at the <laughs> same time and then yeah. not delivering any of it but it was uh, they just struggled because it took so long and even when type zero came out i think was 2011 in japan um, I actually had the chance to speak to Kataze shortly after they'd switched the name mm. from uh, Agato 13 to Type Zero, and um, you know the PSP was going through a bad time. Yeah, uh, it was doing well in Japan, but outside of that, in Europe and America, they just had rampant piracy issues. And um, I think Katase said that you know, as you know, the the PSP market is a very different situation than in J- in Japan than outside of Japan, and when it comes to the localization, they just, they just didn't really know what to do. Yeah. Um, his exact wording was that we have to be very, very careful in deciding what we do next um, and how the best way is to deliver this game to the gamers. Mm. So it was it was very strange, very strange situation. I mean, you obviously got more interested in it as time went on. Yeah. Um, and especially once people start in Japan, where they were getting a lot more of the coverage and, and getting to play the game at different events... They were saying that, you know, this is the Final Fantasy game that we've been waiting for. Screw, you, like, uh, 13. That, you know, that crappy game that no one really likes but have since softened to. But Type-0 was... It was emanating out of Japan. It was Yeah, like the beacon of hope. It was going to restore Final Fantasy uh, after however many years of other games that, quote-unquote, aren't Final Fantasy.
1: Yeah. Yeah, so... I mean, when they were going back and forth about the localization, I was getting so frustrated because I'm just like, "Well, I want it. I really want it." To be fair, I didn't want it. I I didn't really want it on a PSP, not because it was, and I I didn't like the PSP. And right I just I just did at that time. I did not play handheld games. I just didn't see the point to them. I um, never really played games on the train or anything. I strictly was like a console, 100% console gamer. I loved playing on a console. I have since softened to (laughs) mobile games. you love the Vita? I love the Vita. I I absolutely love playing games on a handheld. But at that time, I was just so 100% about console. So I was just like, bring it to me. I don't care if it's on a freaking console and it's all grainy and stuff. I just want it. I want it so bad right now. And Square Enix was just kind of like, no. And I was getting very sad Nay. about that. I was getting very, very sad. And it didn't seem like it was going to come over ever. And, no, I mean, um,
0: even after that, it came out of Japan. Obviously, there were a few question marks that came out. The NGP, as it was then known, or the Vita, as it became, was announced not too soon after. And I think many people were expecting it to come out as a Vita game. Yeah. It was designed for a handheld. Keep it on a handheld. Um, obviously, when they announced it a couple of years later, that it was coming to the PS4 and Xbox One. And then Sony said it was coming to the Vita, but then retracted it. There was a lot of confusion. Yeah. And um,
1: But hindsight, I mean, they made probably the best decision. Because yes. the Vita is not being supported by PlayStation anymore. And they were able to do the stuff with Episode Dusk Guy And so it really worked out for them in the end, moving it to the console.
0: Yeah, and I think... Um, for me, the interesting point is, I mean, you, you go back to 2011 where Catarse was saying they really weren't sure about putting on the PSP in other markets. Um, they obviously had the chance to do the Vita version because towards the beginning of the Vita's lifecycle, people were really excited about it. There was tons of uh, support from first and third party. Um, but I, I just really wonder when the decision was made that actually, no, we're going to release it on home consoles. We're going to do an HD version of this. And, um, we're going to use it as a big marketing platform for Final Fantasy 15.
1: <laughs> I know. Cause yeah, it's just like, it must have happened when, um, I don't know if it would have happened before or after Tabata was announced as director. Cause obviously, I mean, they could also sort of introduce people to Tabata's, uh, storytelling with it as well. Because obviously he was going to take over, um, Final Fantasy XV. And uh, a lot of people who play just console games wouldn't have played any of his games. Exactly. Because I
0: mean, even if you look at Crisis Core, which is obviously his most successful game to mm -hmm. date, that was only bought by, you know, nowhere near the number of volume that would have bought a main numbered series Final Fantasy game.
1: So it would have been like, you know, well, here's here's a game by the same director, um, and it's actually his game. So hopefully we'll restore some faith in Final Fantasy 15 that, you know, this guy actually does kind of know what he's doing. The only trouble is is that it did kind of suffer in the fact that it was very much a handheld title on a console. It was a, a, weird,
0: a weird port plat- Like, I mean, they've done it before where they had some Crystal Chronicles games that were developed for the DS and then they got ported to the Wii. Mm. But I mean, here we're talking about... I mean, the PSP was like the bastard child of the playstation 3 like the, the handhelds yeah. are always like a generation behind the the home console version yeah so not only was it effectively the equivalent of the handheld ps2 it's then being moved to the ps4 which is yeah. like the shining Two light of technology generations at that time above, yeah. it was so strange and i mean yeah the graphics look okay yeah but you could very much tell it was a, it wasn't just a ps3 game ported no. up and they don't necessarily translate that well on some of the classics or like the HD collections from last generation. Some of them don't port that well. No. Um. So yeah, it was odd.
1: Yeah. But I mean, with that being said, it, I still was very happy to at least get it anyway.
0: Yeah, me too. I I was really glad and, uh, I put up a poll on Twitter asking people if they were glad to. Uh, there was different degrees of gladness. Yeah. Uh, 53% of people said they were very glad that Type 0 ended up being localized. 26% said they were kind of glad. <laughs> and then uh, I think it was split. The other two were kind of indifferent. They weren't too bothered about it being localized. And then and then meh. Hmm. That was uh, actually meh got a decent chunk. Aww. Probably about 10%, 10 ish percent.
1: But... I think, like, a lot of it comes from the fact that everybody was so excited about... It was, it was to its detriment that Final Fantasy fifteen was connected with it, because yeah so many people were like, oh my god, Final Fantasy 15 I'm not going to play Type-0. And it's just like, Type-0 is not a bad game. Like, just give it a chance. But uh, I think a lot of people just didn't even give Type-0 any sort of benefit of the doubt.
0: I think it's it suffered a lot, because it was a... a A portable game brought to a home console. People obviously have higher expectations. It's a PS4 game. Yeah. You know, it it doesn't quite look as good as it probably should. No, it doesn't
1: look as good. The gameplay. The combat.
0: The combat's not too much of a difference from Crisis Core. So many people
1: said about the stupid camera. I was not even remotely affected by the camera. I. It annoyed me in academia. In academia, yeah, but like during the battle scenes, I did which didn't was a majority yeah. of the game i didn't even I, I just didn't touch it when i was around academia i just kind of guessed where i was going
0: but it, it's yeah i think it suffered a bit um people had higher expectations especially because also as we've mentioned before when it was coming out in japan everyone was uh, building up to be the savior of final yeah. fantasy and then because it with the situation that it arrived in it was difficult to it to live up uh it was difficult for it to live up to that billing.
1: yeah definitely but anyways, um, right, let's so move on to the that's, story. That's
0: the building up to the game's release. Yes. The game has now released. Yes. Story. Whee! So we're going to try and our best to explain the story because um, it's oh not that God. easy. No,
1: there's like reading through this, there's just so many levels. And it's one of the nice things about it, but it's also one of the bad things about it is that with these levels, each person focuses, I think, on a different one you can take so many different levels from this game, I think.
0: Yeah, so um, I'm going to try my best. There may be some stuff that I get slightly wrong in this, so I apologize about that. But, um, I mean, it'll be interesting to know how many people who are listening are actually even aware of the different layers of the story. Mm. Because as far as, uh, as Tabitha was saying before in his description of the game, there are very much two levels. Mm-hmm. The one that you experience as you're playing the game and the one that's kind of going on around the game. Which is a bit strange. I guess it's the best way to describe it. Yeah, I think so. So, in the game itself, you've obviously got the four empires. You've you've listed them here, Lauren actually. If yeah, you, if you... I did. I did. <laughs> uh, we so... have like
1: Rubrum, which is obviously the home, the home one. That's where Classier is It's from. the Axia
0: Dragon. That's the one that you missed before. That's the
1: one I'd missed. Uh, the Vermilion Bird Crystal is Rubrum's. Um, they are controllers of magic, and they protect um rubrum with magic and they also s- research magic and that sort of thing uh you have the militesi empire which is the main antagonist they're empire. like the antithesis of rubrum exactly they're the white tiger crystal uh their powers are science and weapons weapons versus magic yeah so they um, like
0: they like to extract the crystal's energy they don't use it they extract it and then mm-hmm. put it in stuff like mag- magitech armor and yeah those kind of things
1: yeah, they're essentially like a, it's it's, it's like very Final Fantasy VI. Yeah. it's very Final Fantasy 6. Um, and then there's Kingdom of Concordia, which is the Azure Dragon, which is the one that I I mixed up. Um, and they're powered by dragons. It's really kind of a shame that that one didn't have as much of a light as the other ones because I think that a land that's like all dragons and stuff, I think they that sounds pretty prominent. Quite cool. They were okay prominent, yeah.
0: It's the Lorikans that got screwed. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> they were not even there at the beginning of the game. They it's already true. got blown up.
1: I know. I oh, have- that was the one. Oh that I got all mixed up then. I yeah, my brain is not is not powered on at the moment. I keep thinking that the Azure Dragons was the Lorakin. I don't know why. But essentially, yeah. Stop it. I know. I know. Uh, the Lorican Alliance is the Black Tortoise Crystal, and they are the power of shielding, which they couldn't shield no. themselves so, I from mean, being destroyed.
0: Before the game starts, you get the opening cutscene, and, and essentially the Militesi Empire are uh, trying to start a world war. Um, they've used like a nuclear bomb equivalent on the Lorican Alliance, and there's massive crater there when you go and visit it because everything's been eradicated. Um, and they've just enacted their second wave, which is to invade Rubrum. Mm. And that's basically where you take over as as members of Class Zero. They're brought in because Ru- um, Militesi are using their, their scientific weapons to block the crystal's magic. Yeah, crystal jammers. And uh, so everyone's dying.
1: Deactivate the jammers.
0: Class Zero are immune to this. So they go in and save the day and kind of fight with Militesi Empire. And then that's where everything starts off. Yes. So, we' got some important points that happened right at the beginning. um one of the main things about type zero is that people don't remember those who have died. Mm-hmm. so um as soon as someone dies, they get erased from your memory. You have no idea who they who they were or you don't have any memories of them whatsoever,
1: which is a very interesting concept because it's essentially so that they can just move on and yeah. like if you think about it. There's so many people who I know who, um, I mean, it, it's not a bad thing, but it, it does hold them back quite a bit, who are extremely affected by people who have died in their life to the point where they can't they can't push forward. And um, so, yeah, in, in this world, obviously, the dead are considered to be um, a sign of... Uh, mourning for the dead is considered to be a, a sign of weakness. So yeah. push forward.
0: And I think it comes with some baggage. Though, yeah. Because... So one of the main plot points around this is in Izuna, Kanagiri, who's Makina's brother. And actually in the story, um, Ace and Iz- Izuna were good friends. Yeah. And the reason that Izuna died is because he was desperately trying to help Ace. But because he dies, Ace doesn't remember any of this which ever is taking so place. sad. And Makina hears manipulated versions of the story from other people, which is just really odd. Because obviously Ace is still alive they can kind of remember his role in it but mm. ace because he was the only person involved with izuna he doesn't remember any of the conversations he's had or any reason why izuna uh was even on the battlefield so machina just has this resentment for ace that he can't defend himself against he can't be like actually yeah we were best buds yeah mate. no
1: no he hasn't he has no way there's like a um a conversation in the very beginning of the game where um I think it's uh, Mother and someone else where uh, they're talking about Isana's death and Ace is even like looking at himself like it it literally just happened and he's just like I'm responsible for that guy's I'm responsible for his death like what what happened like I feel awful for myself because the only the only thing that he has to base his sort of um, findings on is what other people say And they don't know.
0: Exactly. And it's an interesting point. And it kind of... um, As it goes through, it it makes... uh, Because Machina and Rem aren't part Class Zero. They get brought in as part Class Zero. And and Machina is manipulated very heavily throughout the story.
1: To the detriment of his character. Because so many people do not like Machina because of that.
0: Yeah, it's unfortunate. I know. Um,
1: Because I I actually... I didn't mind him too much. I kind of understood where he was coming from.
0: So, I mean... uh, as, as this uh, kind of story progresses, obviously, Machina and Rem join Class Zero. They go on a few different missions, um, and there's lots of different skirmishes with the Militesi Empire. Then one of the big turning points is that they go to Concordia, where there's going to be a truce held. Mm. And the Queen of Concordia, as well as uh, having the ability to control dragons, she also has the ability to see into the future. She gets killed while she's there. Um, but she she knew this was going to happen and she knew kind of what the fallout would be. But Class Zero get framed for this and this then gives uh, Militesi the ability to form an alliance with Concordia to go against Rubrum. Whew. <laughs> there's a lot that goes on from a political point of view and, and then kind of getting back and there's so many big battles and conflicts that take place. I think one of the... Towards the end of this kind of part of the story there's an amazing cutscene that involves lady Setsuna, who is one of the Lassie, which is a whole other <laughs> ball game yeah uh which we'll get into in a second but um she shows the power of the Lassie. um alexander is summoned and oh boy yeah. that's a, that's an intense cutscene
1: yeah it is it's really 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 cool um and
0: it it shows that tabitha's like how he tells the story as well because even though this is a game about school kids there's no problem with death whatsoever no um to summon alexander lady setsuna has to kill or take the souls uh the phantoma out of a lot of the students who are helping her summon it and it's it's a very kind of emotional scene because karasame who's the commander of class zero he uh was a previous like powerful soldier and but he can't fight anymore and um he he gives his life so that she can summon Alexander to yeah. wipe out a hundred thousand people or so.
1: But obviously, that means that Class Zero is then without a mentor yes. anymore, and um, all um, oh, the poor little Tonberry as well. Yeah, he has a little pet Tonberry, and he gets all sad afterwards.
0: And you know, they, when Setsuna um turns around, I think she's got blood in her eyes, mm. and she just sees all the people that have been killed. Yeah, and it's just like oh. That that wasn't good. No. <laughs> and then she turns to crystal because she's done her focus. Yeah. But the Lacy in this are like so different to those in Final Fantasy Thirteen uh, and the and the Thirteen Trilogy. They have so much more power. Um, there's generally a Primus and a Secundus in each of the nations, and they're powered by the crystal. And they all they they don't really answer to the. Um, the authorities in those regions they kind of more answer to the crystals but i think yeah. it depends on the region because militezi has similar as well kunmi is one of them and i think oh, what's the other guy's name it's like Tempest or something
1: but yeah no they they kind of are on their own thing they're they're kind of like um just free they're freelancers almost yeah like some of them have associated themselves with certain areas but generally they they were they act on their own accord. Yeah.
0: And when one of them dies, the crystal then tries to seek another Mm. to take its place, which is where the story kind of gets a bit more complicated. Yeah. So (laughs) um, there's a massive, massive conflict between Concordia and um, the uh, Concordia, Metesi and Rubrum, which Rubrum end up winning. Mm -hmm. The queen of Concordia is killed, obviously, and then um, the dragons are kind of defeated a little bit yeah Um, but her second in command has the power of dragons and she helps out class through because she knows what they're trying to achieve and basically there is a plot point that's set at the beginning of the game which is when nine and nine meet nine Um, and it's referencing the fact that um, whenever and this is where the story goes to the second level when the four nations fight against each other when there's ever a situation where one of the nation wins, which in this case is Rubrum, because Lorica's already dead, and then Milatesi and Cocorio join an alliance, and then they get defeated by Rubrum, um, that you've reached the end of what's possible within that set. So the reference to nine is that you can't have another, a higher single digit number. There's three nines representing the three states that get defeated by the fourth. So you've had the three states that have joined to try and beat the fourth and lost. Then we go into what's called Tempest Venus, right? Yeah. And, uh, and that's when everything goes completely weird.
1: Yeah, because it's essentially the apocalypse is Tempus Venus. Yes. Yeah.
0: So, like, you've been playing this game, which is about military conflict. You're like, in charge of Class Zero. <laughs> There's some weird stuff going on around Phantoma. But um, when this happens, yeah, like, it's basically the apocalypse. Um These monsters called Rersus come out of the ground and start trying to kill everyone. Everything goes kind of red. (laughs) And you're like, what's going on here? Definitely
1: turns into pretty much hell on earth.
0: Yeah. And then you end up doing a lot of bad stuff. Yeah. Which is not even remotely related to what you were doing. No. And it's extremely confusing.
1: If you just like play the beginning part of the game and then you look at the end bit, you're just looking at two completely different games almost yes you're just so lost
0: so here's where i'm going to try and explain all this to give you a better understanding um we haven't really mentioned dr erasure but she is mother she's the the kind of person who created she was their ex mentor and there's actually some relationships here between the the final fantasy the final fantasy 13 story and type zero i mean they are still part of the fabulian of christias mythology um so they do have similarities in that sense but Ultimately, in both of the game franchises, there is something called Etro's Gate. And uh Buna Velza is really desperate to open it because he totally killed his mom. And then she went to the other side of Etro's Gate. And then he was had a panic because he wanted to get to her, but he couldn't because Etro's Gate was shut. And you can only go there when you're dead. Hmm. So he wants to open Etro's Gate so that he can do something with her I can't really remember what it is but I th- he, there's some there's a reason why he needs to get to her yeah so he created all these other people he created some gods um, one of which was Etro <laughs> who ended up also being a clone of his mom so ended up going over to Etro's Gate which is why it then became Etro's Gate but two of the other gods he created were Pulse and Lindsay who you may remember from Final Fantasy hmm. Um <laughs> the Falci and all that stuff which aren't part of this game but they are very similar so uh in final fantasy 13 the pulse lacy which is um lightning and snow and all those um they have the same motivations as such as the lindsay lacy who are like Bartandalus and orphan and all that stuff now in that game they're trying to open etro's gate to get to the maker and uh they're going to try and do that by wiping out Cocoon and like a mass uh, mass genocide um, so there's so much energy that the, the gate opens because of all the souls that are going through to it. In Type 0, it's pretty much the same thing. So um, Pulse has created a, um, a falci, I think, which is Dr. Erasia. And Lindsay has created a falci called Gala. Still with me? <laughs> You're still here? Kind of. Okay, so... Um, they are both trying to open Etro's Gate as well. And they've chosen Orients as their kind of playground that they're going to use to try and do so. Oratia doesn't believe in killing as such. So she wants to try and open Etro's Gate by creating a super powerful being that will have so much energy within it that it can open Etro's Gate. Whereas Gala is like, no, screw that. Let's just kill everyone. <laughs> uh, and that will achieve the same thing. Yeah. So they basically set up an experiment to see if they can do this. They're obviously at loggerheads and so the experiment when we go into the game has already run over 600 million times so what we're playing through is actually kind of happened before but just yeah. it it, go, it kind of goes different ways each time depending on what happens they will include certain variables to mix things up sometimes so basically what happens in every single scenario is that yeah the four nations uh, fight against each other three of them get defeated by the one it's different each time i believe and uh then when that happens, Gala kind of sweeps in to wipe out the remnants and do mass genocide. But at the same time, Class Zero are tasked with becoming Agato, a super powerful being. And they only need one of them to become the super powerful being. But every single time that that has happened in the past, there have been a, a Lassie conflict as part of the end of the Before Tempest Venus. And Type Zero or Class Zero are given the choice to become a Lassie for the crystal and fight off the Russes. that Carlos called in to kill everyone and every single time they've, cho- they've decided to do that
1: yeah which you can also still decide in the game as well yes
0: you can decide to do that and if you do that then it's, it's game, game over, over. <laughs> you die which um, really sucks if you yeah, have a thief really or suck. anything and the reason why this one was slightly so different is because machina and rem were entered into the equation and they rem decides to take up the the sea mantle Instead of class zero, class zero decide that actually they want to be mortal and they want to try and defeat the russus and the uh gala's arbiter by themselves. They fail, but then Rem and Machina, who have uh, killed each other, well, Rem kills Ma- Machina, kills Rem accidentally on purpose, <laughs> uh, and they turn to crystal, but they lend their power to class zero so they can beat the arbiter who's actually Sid. And Sid, because Sid found out everything was going on. So he was trying to become Agato to stop the experiment from happening. <laughs> all this other stuff. So Class Zero beat the Arbiter. But like, even though they've done that, none of them became Agato. Mm-hmm. Um, so like, Horatio was going to start the experiment again. But there are two other members of Class Zero. Number Zero and number Joker. 10, I think yeah. it was um called tiz and joker who uh, kind of document the the experiments for erasure they said that she should speak to class zero after they to find out why they'd given their lives and they were happy to die so she does so and then she's like all right well if you're happy to be at peace then i'll end the experiments we'll leave I'll, I'll give up on trying to open etros gate this way gala has been defeated as the Arbiter, which has never really happened before. So he's actually going to slumber, so he can't (laughs) do anything anyway. Yeah, And then uh, the game kind of continues. Everyone can remember the class hero dead, but Rem and Machina are brought back to life. They then lead the new world through the Crystallist Age because Oratia removes all the crystals. And then, yeah, that's the game kind of continuing. There's also an alternative alternative ending where class hero don't die. But yeah, that's like the story and it's like you, just could play crazy. Through, you could play through the game the first time and have real, no real idea about any of that other stuff no. There's like there's different hints about things um like ratio is clearly some weird thing and like the stuff with gala and the versus is a bit weird but it's only when you play through the new games and you got like really to get this stuff you have to dig like you really yeah. have to dig
1: yeah and there's so much other stuff on top like even on top of that because you have all the sub characters that you can talk to and you can only talk to so many in that time period that you're on um uh, that you're in academia like you only have so many hours in between missions and um because of that each each person takes like a certain amount of time so you can miss entire huge chunks of just side story and Everything it it's so vast. Like yeah. Type zero is just it overwhelms me almost in how big it is, and I think that's one of the good things about it. But I think it's also one of the bad things about it because agreed. I when I play a game, I want to play it and I want to feel like I've accomplished it, and I want to feel like I've I've done something and I'm I understand what the story is. Maybe there's something that's a bit open ended, like Final Fantasy VII you know, something at the end that make that has a bit of a question mark. But I don't want to feel like I have only conquered a small little tiny chunk and then I have to keep replaying the game, like, over and over and over and over and over and over and over again in order to actually get, feel like I've gotten everything. And, like... It just, it just seems like you're so much, so much to take in.
0: It, it's the weird because, I mean, we've criticized Final Fantasy XIII in the past for having a very convoluted story. Yeah. Uh, there's all the stuff that you have to read from the data log and Type Zero is kind of the same. I just, I think the difference is that Type Zero's base story like, is strong enough that you don't even need, you don't even know that this other stuff's necessarily going on. No. It's just so far above. Like, where you're at yeah. in the story that, like, this, You have no idea that there's all this stuff going on with the gods and, and like, Oratia is running these experiments and all that kind of stuff. You you have... There are hints that are thrown in, like, the fact that Keita has deja vu. Yeah. Um, and Ace is, like, kind of remembering stuff because they've done it before, but it's never really... They never really give you too much of a hint that you're suddenly like, whoa, what am I missing out on here? Yeah. It's only when you get to the last bit where things just start going crazy that you start... You get um, a sense that there's something wider going on. Yeah. But I like even if you go through that, it's fine to a degree. I mean, I kind of knew that if you played the new Game Pass, you'd start getting more story details. And actually, I I was really hoping it was going to be done like near.
1: Yeah, same. But
0: it's not, and I was really disappointed with how the new Game Pass works. It's like the stuff that you can do with the missions and get different interpretations. It's very minor, and that's why I was saying like if you want to piece all the different bits of the story together like you might have to search really hard for one line that explains like one other whole piece of of stuff yeah and you have no real idea where that is i mean there's the whole like archive which is essentially the data log equivalent where you have to try and find all this stuff and it's like it's so it's just overwhelming
1: it's overwhelming and i mean like yeah with their their intentions were, were fine. You know, we want to make it so that you have to keep replaying the game, all that sort of stuff, but don't make it seem like a massive chore. Like yeah. it just seemed like a chore near at least you start in the middle of the game. They give you a lot of extra stuff on top of it in order to accommodate for the fact that you're playing through it again. So completely different scenes that aren't, that you don't have to really do too much with. And it goes faster because it's only half the game. So it's fine. But um, with Type-0, it just seems like, because you have to play the whole game over again, and you're just like, oh, really? And you
0: don't even really get that much different stuff. No. It's just, like, small little bits. Little tidbits. That you might get here, you might get there. Um, it's a bit disappointing. And I think it's the same thing we were saying with 13. Like, once you actually read through the data log and have, like, a real understanding of the story, the story of Iron Man 13 is amazing like there's so much detail and depth and like the mythology and lore is so well thought out that it's it's actually incredible and it's the, kind of the same for type 0 like there's so much going on and when you actually understand the entire story it's it's a really awesome story yeah but it's just getting to that point i don't know why you'd ever want to put yourself through that no and i mean thankfully the the base story of type 0 like the one that's kind of like the, the single plane is good enough yeah, I was I was satisfied with that story, and when all the stuff with the apocalypse and the rest started happening, I was a little bit miffed. I didn't think it was really that necessary, but it was fine. I was okay with it, but I thought that like the way that the military campaigns played out, like the fact that they showed the Lassie having so much power, the fact they had so many different smaller characters you can interact with, and the cast members, which was very broad, there yeah. were so many cast members all had personality they all had little things you could do um
1: histories
0: like yeah, just so much I, I liked all of that and when i found out and i started digging into like the secondary story let's call it that's when i was like wow there's so much more stuff here and you can even see it like when you go into forums people have so many questions about this game because they yeah. find little pieces of information that open up a can of worms and then no one really has any idea how to answer them. Like even no. some, there are still loads of questions that people have about this game that they just have no idea about. And it's not like the kind of the the Final Fantasy VIII like conspiracy theories. This is like stuff that you'd probably actually want to know why this is happening or what's going on there and and all this stuff. Like, but you're never gonna find out.
1: No, I mean it's a. It's also kind of a testament to. Tabata's sort of storytelling in that you know it, it makes you want to go back and it, it does make you want more but at the same time I don't feel like the overall game was worth it if that makes sense. yeah. I, I think I... like going through what we had to go through I just didn't think it was worth it and then the fact that like in the new game plus as well it's more difficult than it was before as well like um, the difficulty is upped and I just ugh oh. I just wanted to just get it done. I wanted to just play. I loved it, but I just wanted to move on to the next thing. I don't want to spend all my time doing that.
0: I think for me, I was fully intent on going through the new game plus yeah. and finding out all these different bits of story. But when I found out what you actually had to do to get those extra bits of story, I just the game wasn't good enough for me to want to do that anymore. Like yeah. it, it hadn't, like when when Uncharted came out, with trophies I. Played the game again. Like I'd already done everything in the game before yeah. the came out, and then I was like, "I'm doing it again." Okay, this game is so good. I I'm happy to go it's back and do to it. It's fun to play. All. But with Type Zero, like I enjoyed the game. I thought the story was good. I liked every other kind of aspect of it. But it wasn't good enough to force me to play it through again for only small bits of information. Because sometimes you've got to play the game like three or four times to yeah. get certain things. Yeah, like, to even get like a and, weapon.
1: Like, like I mean, I just not, don't want to do that. It's
0: not worth it. No. All right but yeah so i think we're approaching coming up to the hour mark um we haven't really got that far in our outline no
1: yet. no we have it's gonna be
0: a long show yeah all right so the characters themselves there's 14 of them and um well for at least 14 you can play yeah and they have very different weapon styles <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah which makes it very very um interesting when you're choosing them to um for your party or whatever um you have ace who his um his weapon is throwing cards, cards it's like throwing cards um but he also has a really good uh warp ability which is why i i love using him um you have deuce who has a flute and she's essentially a bard and she's a lot of fun she's just such a troll um you have trey who's an archer i didn't really use trey that much
0: no but i knew people that do
1: mm. Um, you have Cater, who's basically like a blue, a blue mage type thing. she she has a gun. Yeah, she has a gun, shoots magic, um, related bullets. Um, Sink, who has a mace, who I also did not get on with. She was just very, um, sort of uh, clunky, I thought. There's Scythe, who has a scythe. I used her a bit. Um, Seven has a whip, and I used her quite a bit. Eight is a monk, didn't really get to use him. Uh, nine the dragoon Jack his katana who could be very mean. Um, you have Queen who's more of a general swordsman. King who has dual pistols. Makina who also he wields two katana's, doesn't he? Ah, uh, nice, no, like two or, like
0: drill things.
1: Yeah, and then you have Rem who's more like a healer type person. She uses
0: like size, um, yeah. and she does. She's a mage, really. Yeah. She's a magic user.
1: Yeah um and yeah each of them has a very different sort of way of doing things which i think is really cool because it's it plays to the classic final fantasy job classes
0: yeah and i think in terms of like we haven't we're not going to talk about the gameplay yet but like the story they all have very distinct personalities too yeah you've got um except
1: for baby saison seven they kind of met melted into one
0: uh, i don't know <laughs> I, think, I think you might find people that disagree with you there lauren possibly I, I think, like, the fact that there were so many characters, it there was the chance that maybe they would all get lost mm. because of so many. But I think the way they kind of did it, like, they each had their little moments to shine. And um, I think we've talked about this before in other episodes um, with regards to why I didn't feel the Thirteen friend, like, the story worked. Because they were six characters and they all had the same level of focus. Whereas in this yeah. game, there are clear characters who are prominent in the story let's say so you've got mac and rem you've got ace but someone like jack his role in the story is, is quite minimal yeah uh, uh nine's a bit more prominent let's say um queen being a, is, bit, more a bit more prominent um, but like size and seven they're kind of like they go into the background a little yeah. bit but the good thing about the other characters is that um as you were saying when you're walking around academia and and um There's all the different things when you go to towns. These characters have backstory in those ways. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there's a scene with uh, Nine. um, I can never remember the guy's name. I know,
1: in the library.
0: Uh, I think it's Kun... No, uh, Kwan. Where he's trying to find out about Fantoma and Nine is like... And a queen's there as well, isn't she? Yeah. And um, they, those three have this whole back and forth. And nine <laughs> is basically like a nincompoop yeah. who just gets insulted the whole time. Bless him. But it just gives so much more basis for his character. Yeah. And um, like, like the, Each of the each of them have these small segments where you can find out a bit more about them. Like Cate's is all about her deja vu, and uh, and it, it's nice that they have that level of like if you wanted to find out more about these characters you could do yeah it was kind of up to you um the main storyline was going to focus on certain ones more than others but i think it was nice that they each each character had its kind of the, the storyline blended with them and it was kind of up to you how much you wanted to get involved with them or not it wasn't forced or fed to you it wasn't, no. it wasn't shoved in your mouth
1: i think i did more of the Quan and um and nine ones just because i found it the more entertaining i just thought they were silly and i did quite a lot of um ace's stuff as mm. well ace was very much a, a big component of my story yeah because you, um, can, you can
0: find out about it like, the graveyard and yeah a, and how they deal with death and, and
1: more about his um his experience with the zana as well but yeah no it was it was very very nice the way that they did it and yeah it didn't feel like it was too convoluted with the characters at least with the main cast no it just didn't, um, it felt like they were actual characters. They yeah, were like, like they were about.
0: like a family of sort. Because, yeah. Because, I mean, obviously as we go through, like, Machina and Rem are brought in. Yeah. And Machina doesn't gel with the rest of the class. Not at all. But they try to give him the benefit of the doubt. And you can kind of feel that it's it's kind of a collective mentality. Like, he's trying to fight against them as a group. Mm-hmm. And like if he goes against one of them, he goes against all of them. Yeah, they all kind of react in different ways, um, but I think it's nice that it, when Machina has his turn and he goes to he defects essentially and goes to um, work with the Militesi Empire, like you kind of and that's what Lauren's saying. Like people don't like Machina. Like there were th- this the cast actually brought out emotions in people, and it was nice that also on the other side you had people like Sid, Kunmi, uh, Kator, who were like clear focal points. But when you go through the storyline, you realize that actually they're not bad guys necessarily. Like Kater, he's just, he's at the start, he he comes across as a very cold military leader. Like one of the first things he does is execute someone because he ran away to give her a mil- mission report. <laughs> no, he tells him to kill himself. Yeah. Yeah. Um, He's a very military man, but at the end of the game, you find out that actually, um, oh, I can't remember her name. The the girl Aria? who said, yeah, Arya. He takes her in after she's abandoned by Rubrum in mm-hmm. Militesi. and looks after her and makes sure that she's fine. and And then he ends up killing himself to save everyone else because someone's like rigged his uh, mech with a massive bomb. Yeah. Like it's it, it's really strange. That yeah, he suddenly becomes his hero, uh, and you see this completely different side of him. And actually, Arya kind of—it's a bit like Stockholm syndrome in a way. Yeah, but she's like, "Well, you guys are the, the horrible ones. Yeah, you know, I like these guys. They've yeah. been really nice to me. Yeah, and even when you find out a bit more about Sid, you know, as, as I mentioned before, he's found out about the whole recurring cycle, and he wants to try and free everyone from this slumber of yeah. constant death and Like, getting reborn and all this stuff. And so he actually initiates the the war to try and end the war. So even though he's the bad guy, he's actually the good guy. And in the end, when he gets to try and become Agato, he takes his own life so that he can't be used in the experiment anymore because he didn't get what he wanted.
1: But unfortunately, it does kind of backfire on him. Yeah. But... Ultimately, yeah, no, there's so many levels, and that's why like I feel like I have to compare it to near if only because in near it's sort of the same difference where it's like you dig for the additional information and you just find so much more levels on the game and within the characters and that kind of thing it, yeah, it's really and cool
0: the side quests there is you could just ignore them completely you don't even have to get no. involved with them if you don't want to no um when you go to towns there's loads of different things you can do and i mean some of the mini games are quite funny but even small things like there's a guy called atra uh, and you can take the sea crystals that you find to him and he'll give you some additional story and this is what i was saying it could take a long time there's a lot of lessee crystals and within those crystals they give you bits of backstory about stuff that's happened in the past from the memories of that Lassie, there's also the storyline revolving around uh karasame amina and kazusa and uh you're kind of figuring out who amina is because is she's a spy isn't she i think Um, so but she doesn't want to be spying and then she's like, "Well, you can report me if you want, but hopefully you understand a bit more about me now at this point."
1: Mm.
0: Uh, and then you've got the one with Mitsuki, and then even in the alternative ending, like there's just, they add so much more personality to the characters, yeah, and it's great because there's so many. Yet, if you ask people who their favorite characters are, they don't trend. No, there's no like. Oh, I love Clear Lightning. Cut. I love no. Cloud. It's I like this one and this one and this one. And um, they're happy to pick a couple. Most won't necessarily want to give you one. Yeah. But those th- those three they give you, there's so many combinations. Yeah. It's it's really amazing.
1: It really allows for everybody to have a completely different experience playing the game, which is really nice and just interesting in a way.
0: It kind of harkens back to the older games with where they had like Final Fantasy VI, where there's so many playable characters. Yeah. Uh, and it wasn't to the detriment of the overall game. You can no. use the ones you want to use. You can experience the story of the characters you want to experience. And it's a kind of... I know people says that, uh, like, WRPGs versus JRPGs, like JRPGs are generally more linear. But, you know, here's a kind of, in a way, choose your own story. You can yeah. play as who you want. You can do which side quests you want. You can get whatever you want out of it, story-wise. Yeah. And I think it's something that should be really commended about how... Uh, they went about the story, I mean, excluding the whole convoluted stuff about the different levels and the gods <laughs> and all that crap.
1: It's very overwhelming, but in uh, the retrospect, it's also very clever and very interesting. But yeah, um, for me, I just loved um, I loved playing with Ace. <laughs> that sounds wrong. Loved playing with Ace. And I liked Deuce as well. And um, I also I had a thing for Scythe. I thought Scythe was quite cool. Hmm
0: how did you feel about the way they dealt with death i mean we be touched on the fact that they don't remember um and there are obviously the mass slaughters and stuff it was
1: it was really almost more emotional because like i mean they set you up in the beginning and it's probably a good thing that they did start off with it with izana's death and that really set you up to and
0: not just his death but the, Chocobo. uh, the
1: chocobo's death as well which was so sad um, so they really introduced you to the world and saying like, "This is what happens when you die." So later in the game, you remember that and you remember the fact that like, you know, these people are dying and they won't remember them. So it makes it even worse. There's one particular scene that I found so emotional, which was Um Karasame's death. So he knew that he was going to die. He knew when... And his um, students knew as well. And students knew as well. And he leaves them with this huge sort of speech saying goodbye to them, essentially.
0: Because, like, up to that point, he'd been, like, a hard taskmaster. Yeah. But they'd, they'd all kind of grown to love, love each him. other.
1: Yeah. And um, so you hear him saying all this stuff, and in the back of your mind, you know that they're not going to remember it, and that just makes you, like... It just affects you even more when he does die, and then the next scene they show his grave, and they don't remember. No,
0: they're just like, "Oh, well, we know this guy was our commander, yeah, but we don't know anything about him."
1: And so you're just saying, so you're just sitting there with like buckets of tears, and they're just like, "Oh, yeah, yeah." I think it like made it even worse,
0: especially because they had like small things that they put in to kind of remind you, like the fact that his oh,
1: yeah, hasn't
0: got a master anymore and he just kind of sits in the room.
1: And doesn't say anything.
0: Yeah, and like, it's just small things that, as a player, Karasame's gone. Yeah. Um, and, you know, you could forget that quite quickly if you wanted to. Yeah. But the fact that they just left, like, something of his around so that you yeah. couldn't forget. Yeah. And when they're talking about their previous commander, like, you know.
1: It's almost like it's it really does well to address the fact that when people die it does affect things like it does affect even the smallest of things like a Tumberry, you know and um i think that they did a really good job of of showing that in the game and um yeah i just i think they did it really well and like there's also the sudden the suddenness of death as well um they handled really well cuz there's a part in the game where she doesn't actually die, but when Arya gets shot, you're just like, what? What? Like, whoa! What's what's going on? And like, it's just completely out of left field, and you don't expect it at all.
0: It's also strange because they use death as a way to—they use their memory as a way to know if someone's still alive. Yeah. Because like, if, if they, they
1: can still remember them, yeah, they know they're, they're alive. still
0: alive. Which is which gives them hope, but then as soon as they die, then they're not even going to remember them anyway. No, which it's, is it's like so It's like a weird, sad. strange thing. I know the, the the way it's done, and I think it makes the ending so much more impactful. Yeah, I and mean, that's true too. to give you some context on this and a nice little story, uh, I was I was playing the game for review, and Lauren had basically just put herself away from the entire thing. Yeah, and um, I. Irrespective of everything you know in the game, the way the ending is handled is so is so good because Lauren had not not really seen anything of the game. What she watched the ending, and she was just bawling her eyes out. And I, I was like, "You haven't even played the game. I know you don't know why they've died."
1: No, I think I was just so I was just so surprised. I was just like, "How could they all die? All of them just gone like and." I mean, the way that it's acted, uh, it's just a testament to the like CGI and how, how they've improved things so much. Because you just... I don't know. Uh, Machina's reaction to seeing all of his friends dead and Rem's reaction to seeing everybody dead, it's just... It's so effective and so sad. And it's like... It, it's also... Uh, it's reached that... Um, that turn of events where people start remembering the dead and the fact that they remember all of their deaths and who they were and what they did and that kind of thing. Like, it just, everything just... And then also, I mean, the music choice as well was just fantastic. All of that together, I just got so sad. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I guess it's, yeah, it's just one of those things though, isn't it? You do this whole story, you get to love these characters and then they're just all gone.
0: It's one of those things where... Type Zero has an amazing ending. Yeah, and it's one of the things that you never want spoiled for you.
1: No, no. Well, so if Lauren you are does. listening, if you are listening to this, you probably
0: it's and you haven't
1: played it yet. Shame.
0: It's it. It harkens back to the older endings, mm. like Final Fantasy X's ending, where you know if you have any kind of soul. <laughs> yeah and you well i guess well that one's more like if you appreciate what's actually going on the fact that titus has essentially just committed suicide so everybody else can live it's those kind of things make a big make a that's how i get affected and Tab zero especially you know know the fact that they've just they've just killed themselves for the betterment Um, and i mean they could have done that past and then erasure could have just restarted the experiment again Mm -hmm. but it's the like the significance of what they've done, and the fact that they've they're just tired, and they're just like we just wanna we just wanna try, yeah. We don't wanna become a sea anymore, and it, uh, we wanna just we wanna just live, and we wanna just, we wanna die.
1: And that's the thing as well, isn't it? Because there's that huge scene before they die, where they're just basically all beaten up, and in their classroom, they're in the classroom again as well, which is oh so sad, and they're just discussing all the things that they never got to do and it's like normal things like they just want to go to school they want to learn they want to have a family like all just normal things that we all take for granted they want to do and they were never allowed to and there's just so much there in that um in that moment that you just sort of think like oh my gosh like these people they're basically like raised for slaughter almost because they they only know war, they only knew how to fight and protect and they never got the chance to actually live and there's something that's that's that just affects me personally about that. And it happens in a lot of movies, like um Atonement, for example, um the two of the lead character I'm sorry to like um spoil this. Isn't this but- related. I know, I know, but um the two lead mains, um, they fell in love with each other. And you throughout the whole movie, you're thinking, like, oh, my God, they're going to get together. It's going to be fine in the end. And then they don't. And you just think of the life that could have been. And that's exactly what you feel for these characters. Because you think about what they could have done if they could have survived.
0: I'm surprised you're not getting emotional right now, Lauren. I'm feeling it. Yeah, I thought you might. But it's been.
1: just like, oh, it's just, it hits you right in the feels. And that's one of the great things about Tabata is that he really knows... He knows what buttons to press. I mean, like you think about with Crisis Core, that um, that sort of uh, uh, what what I want to call it—the thing at the end, the The ending um, slots, the slots, which starts going broken, starts breaking down, and then it starts showing like bits of Aerith and that kind of stuff. It just it just hits you right there in the feels. He knows he knows exactly what to do in order to make you sob, which is what he's hoping to do with Final Fantasy 15 as well. Oh, yeah. But um, no, I think that he's great in that.
0: So um, I think that's going to round out the story segment. If you want to take a toilet break right now, I'd recommend it because <laughs> we've got a load more stuff to talk about. we could to go through all the gameplay, all the presentation. Yep. It's going to be fun. It's going to be hardcore. Mm-hmm. But I would say though that, that I actually asked people on Facebook to give us their favourite characters and actually very few people said seven. Um yeah. but again it was seven plus others. Yeah. <laughs> Some people didn't say seven at all. Um one person, Jiga, said Moglin as their favourite class zero remember. I can I can understand that. There's a bit of Moglin in there. Kapow. Yeah. But um yeah, so uh I don't know whether we're going to split this into two. I feel like maybe we should do because yeah. otherwise it's going to be like a two.
1: We have to do it properly.
0: Yeah. So if that's the case, you will now be ending the first part of our Type 0 post-mortem episode. Um, I should probably say some roundout stuff if that's the case. Um, such as if you want to subscribe to get the second part, then p- please feel free to go to iTunes. Uh, if you just search for Final Fantasy, we are the number one show there or thereabouts. And you should also, hopefully, be able to check this out on YouTube as well at, at forward slash FFUnionVids. And um you can catch every episode at FinalFantasyUnion.com. So, in the interim, should we say goodbye?
1: Bye, guys, until next time.
0: And I'm daryl saying goodbye. This has been a FinalFantasyUnion.com. Production.